ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. The NBA draft is nine days away and uh, only five months behind schedule. So to get into the draft and discuss everything from the top picks to maybe some sleepers and, of course, what the New Orleans Pelicans may do, I'd like to welcome, for the first time, Ben Pfeiffer to the pod. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. It's it's really been like nine months. Um, can't wait to get this over with. Uh, yes. Only nine more days. That's crazy. Yes, it's, uh, it's crazy that it's here, but it's also crazy how fast like it's had to ramp up towards this after having no time to, you know, kind of have all the normal things that we have. We don't you don't get we didn't have, these players haven't played competitive basketball in what nine months themselves. A lot of them. Well, yeah. Since like March or February. Yeah. Some of them never got to their conference tournaments, you know? Um, and then you have guys who internationally, their seasons ended in January. LaBello ball. That's when his ended. Yeah. I mean, he got hurt even earlier than that. Like, yeah, I think it was like December maybe when he finished up. So it's like from that, we had no combine. I mean, he had it, but it was no five-on-five. Five. Got no individual workouts. Like, there's nothing like this in NBA history. No. I mean, it's, like, totally unprecedented, like you said. I mean, the last bit of, like, really relevant information, like, the general public has, like like we said, is from, like, March. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we people are kind of scrambling and latching on to like any sort of eye candy they can get with these prospects like the like the combine numbers that are floating around in the the workout video here and there um certainly gonna be interesting to see how teams uh how this affects you know draft decisions because i think there could be some wonky stuff but i mean who knows <laughs> like it's it, the evaluation process yeah there's so much more guesswork and like you said there's this heavier burden um, on film analysis, you've you've got to make sure, you know, scouting, you know, if you're a scout, like you said, because of the wonkiness, I think that there's a lot of scouts are going to be like, man, I need a do-over. Like, don't hold this year against me because it's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, like, in some way it'll be, like, a good thing because, like, I – I think, in, like, I know there are a lot of teams who, like, won't really watch that much actual film and will just, like, watch a couple big games and rely on workouts and interviews, which, you know, it might work for some teams, but I think generally it's consensus that, you know, the more you actually, like, do your homework and, and research, the the better your probability of, of, hitting a, of hitting a successful outcome becomes. So with, like, you know, the, the massive break, you'd hope that teams just kind of force themselves to, like, hey, um, we, we have nothing else to do. Might as well watch some of these guys actually play. Um, so I think that could, you know, I'm interested to see if that, you know, leads to maybe like some different trends that we normally see, um, you know, maybe like better drafting from some teams that don't draft particularly well, or maybe it'll be worse because, you know, they lack the teams really value that in-person component. It's going to be really interesting to see, um, yeah. like, like looking back in a couple of years to like how, how teams did in this draft. Yeah. Evaluating front offices and what, how they prepared, you know, I think a lot teams are certainly going to be prepared, um, comparing themselves to each other and looking at what they did and didn't do um, for this draft. And it could have an impact on how teams prepare for years to come. Uh, like, absolutely. I think this could be one of those things. It's like, okay, well, let's, we've had to, to, to be prepared in ways that we never were. We had to look at things that we hadn't looked at, like you said. So how are we investing our money? Um, how good are our scouts at being able to identify the things that we're looking for um, as an organization? I think it's a great evaluation tool. Yeah. I mean, like you said, like um, I mean, a lot of these franchises, the only time that they're going to change up their philosophy and try something new is when they're absolutely forced to. 
um, which, you know, is, is this year where they're absolutely forced to change up what they normally do and try a new strategy when it comes to just draft evaluation in general. So, I, yeah, I wonder if, like, a lot of this more emphasis on, like, watching games, which I assume is there. I mean, I don't know for sure on every team, um, you know, sticks. Um, no, like, like I said, like, like no combine scrimmages, no PBC or Portsmouth, no like um, in-person 3v3 workouts that teams host like privately. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're missing a lot of that, which um, I know teams like value pretty heavily in a normal draft cycle. Um, so they're going to have to change up. And I wonder how much they realize, you know, like, hey, we didn't really need this, this one drill or this one workout or this one thing that we used to do. So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested to see how this changes stuff in the future. I think the guys in the lottery are fine this year, but everybody from 14 down, you know, into the second round, like for them, it hurts them because they are the people who really need to show teams what they can do, particularly because those are your, you know, these are, those are generally bench performers. So they're trying to get a spot. You know, they're trying to secure and show in a competitive situation, I'll fight. I'll do those things that you're looking for. And they're the ones who are going to be impacted most. Yeah, and you're losing out on also, like, there's no summer league for – for these prospects to kind of prove themselves. Like, like I said, there, there was no like Portsmouth, there are no pro basketball combine, no NBA combine for that, for like these little, these sleeper types to separate themselves. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, just like more emphasis on, you know, find like teams have to be like proactive about going out and watching the games and, and finding these sleepers based on their college tape or whatever other limited info they have. Um, instead of just having the sleepers and these underrated bench contributors and, and undrafted players come right at them and, and, you know, kind of make themselves available, they have to, you know, they likely will have to put in the legwork and, you know, find them themselves. And I think the teams that do end up doing that are going to reap the biggest reward for sure because it's definitely possible. Like, I think finding these these prospects who are likely to be contributors who are going to go underrated is certainly, like, quite a possible thing to do if you're if you're paying attention. Um, and the teams who are paying close attention and find those prospects are, are are going to have lots of success and, and thrive and get the most out of this draft where I think a lot of teams are probably going to struggle and maybe maybe like 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 kind of alluded to like punt this year and be like you know what it's all right we tried next year like when it when it, like in the NBA you can't really afford to like punt a whole draft year like yes you really can't um because first round picks are so valuable in this league now um and then you know, and they're also so, so projective because you want that cost control on those contracts and be able to develop a player so that you can yep. make that commitment when you get to that fourth year on your first rounders. Uh, agents are certainly going to be tested as well because, you know, how you, you have to make sure you get your client in front of teams however you can. You have to make sure that you're presenting their best, that they are um, interviewing from a distance and not getting, since they're not getting that up close opportunity, that preparation on the interview side. And, and we've heard some stories about, you know, um, LaMelo Ball's performance in interviews. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how much it impacts a guy like that, but I think that certainly, again, agents, they are also caught in this mix of having to change their game plans. Yeah, I think agents and like agent smoke has been a huge part of this draft cycle. I mean, you see stuff like the Warriors um, are linked to like literally every top prospect, um, and obviously they're you know they they they're not going to take every single top prospect. Um, I, I mean, you see tons of that stuff with like t- this team is attached to this prospect. This prospect is rising for no particular reason. You, you know, you know, you'll see a prospect kind of like rise out of nowhere on like mainstream boards um and and like there is no like real technical reason because you know they they haven't had any new games or film for like seven months yet like they're just like rising everywhere um so i, th- I think it's like actually been quite a bit of that this this, this year um i think agents at least like the agents that i know have done a dang good job <laughs> with, with their clients um um i mean Especially with, I think, like middle, like like those like mid round like sleeper types. Like, I think agenting is going to be really important in like getting these players rostered and like getting them chances. Um, just because, like, uh, again, like teams, like I know, like with like hiring freezes and such, like haven't had enough, haven't had like the resources they've had in the past, and even like when they do, like there's different resources. So, um, 
I think yeah, agents I mean, going to have to be a little more forthcoming too. Like teams are going to be looking for people who can contribute. So that I, I think if you know, usually there are times when players want to you know be discreet with their medical records, and teams, of course, now can't do those physicals in person. The league is doing them, but also, you know. If your agent is saying, hey, this is what condition he's in. We were, we've got our tests. Here's his medicals. You know, the, I think those are going to be important, too, because teams are going to, like you said, with that short frame between the draft and the start of training camp and no summer league play at all, um, they're getting thrown into the fire, and they've got to be physically prepared to go. Yeah, like, that, that brings me to, like, I think – well, first of all, it's always important to not, like, change your evaluation of, of rookies, or at least not drastically after one year, because, you know, players develop a ton in their second, yes. third, fourth years in the league. Um, I think especially this year. Um, yes. <laughs> the, adjustment, the adjustment is going to be really tough, um, as I don't think we're going to see, like, a ton of really good rookies. I mean, just besides the fact that this is not the greatest rookie class in the world, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw, like, uh, a rookie class akin to like the the Embiid Brogdon rookie class, but without the Embiid, um, like it's it's gonna be that kind of rookie class just because of the strength of the class itself, but also yeah. just because like they'd have like two months to adjust from being drafted into an NBA locker room and an NBA team to um, being expected to play for a lot of these higher picks. So I mean, okay, I think no practice be, time. Yeah, exactly. Just, I mean, just yeah. Yeah, like like the, that summer league period's huge. Like all the training camps are huge, and they're just not going to get that. <laughs> so let's let's quickly run through like the the consensus top of the draft. Um, get your thoughts on these um, players again. Like you said opinions can vary wildly from some from player to player on some occasions. Um, so we have to start. Let's start with Lamelo Ball. Um, you know, six seven point guard. Um, not doesn't look like the greatest shooter in the world to me. Um, uh, can be careless at times, but you also see the upside. What do you see with him? Yeah, uh, Lamella to me is the best prospect in this class. I felt that way for months and months and months now. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are like real flaws with him. Like the jumper is definitely an issue. I'm not like that concerned about the jumper just because I think you know the, the the touch is elite there. Um, the volume for his age is elite, and the, the difficulty. Of, I don't think he's ever going to be like a crazy knockdown shooter, but I also think he. I, don't, I also don't think he has to be for his role to be really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like. The frame and the defense, those are, like, really – the frame mostly, um, just because, like, he's going to have to struggle a lot with, with NBA strength and NBA size. Obviously, that can that can be improved, but you can't, like, totally bank on it. Um, I think that, that that's going to limit his, his slashing to where, like, he really struggles with any sort of contact on drives. And then defensively, probably will get, like, totally overwhelmed on the ball. But, like, at six foot seven and, like, 19 years old and, like, one of the couple youngest players in this draft, like, he does some, like, legitimately – like one of a kind things like, 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 like the passing uh, definitely one of the best passers at his age and, and height, you know, just even if you discount height in, in the world um, with both hands, you know, makes is like the creativity and ambition. He passes with is pretty special. Um, like the act, all of the little stuff too, like the accurate, his accuracy is always pinpoint um, the decision-making like this, just hitting like small little passes that add mm-hmm. value. He does it all the time. Like, just makes passes like consistently that you know other players just don't see. And then like I think the ball handling is pretty special too. Like the, like the way he controls it, uh, the shake he has, even if some of that's hindered by like the lack of strength right now. I think as that improves, like he's going to be really really good breaking guys down. And even though, even if I don't think he's ever going to be like a great finisher, just because like he's not vertically explosive and he's weak, the, the floater will be elite. And then defensively, like he gets a lot of crap defensively, and I mean rightfully so. Like he's not a good defender right now. But, he's a gambler. Like, he's, yeah, he he is a gambler, but like he's also like 19 years old and and six foot seven and a genius who played in a, like who who's learning to play basketball defense for like the first time ever in like a legitimate professional league. Like, of course he's going to be bad. So I mean, and he, everybody comes in the NBA bad on defense. Exactly, and like he's going to be bad. I mean, he's starting from a lower starting point than most guys because like he didn't play real defense at Chino Hills or at Spire. Like. He just didn't play real defense, so I think it's going to take him time, but I think he like could be a fine defender in time. So all of that, I mean, he's got flaws. It's a weak draft, but I think um, like a potent- really the only guy with potential like offensive engine upside with his playmaking and, 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 the, and, and the ball handling, and I think the projectable defense. So, yeah, I mean, has plenty of problems, but so does everyone else in this draft, and I think his upside is probably the highest out of the guys in this class. I also, you know, the, the thing I've liked about him, 
And I mean, look, Lonzo's body has gotten stronger over the years. Yeah. And Lonzo is a, a great rebounder. Um, as an off-ball defender, he's, he's, he shows elite skill at times. And that's one thing that's in common with the two of them. Like you said, they have great basketball instincts. They see the floor. They understand and anticipate well on both ends of the floor. Um, and again, when you talk about his shot, he does have touch. And so the one, he has that over Lonzo. That's something Lonzo, Lonzo never really does had. no yeah. floater. Yeah. 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 Lonzo never had any touch, like no. going all the way back. So, and I think, yeah, I think he's more creative around the rim. Um, and I think he can get stronger. You know, I think he, you know, he will get on an NBA weight program and he will find, there will be a trainer and they will teach him, you know, how to build that strength. At least, you know, Kevin Durant never gained weight, but he got stronger. And I think he yeah, can I mean, all he grow needs into to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he like, is probably not going to, and he doesn't need to get huge or anything. Like he's not going to be Jimmy Butler, but like, right. He doesn't need to. No, you just have to be able to, to absorb some contact and, and continue to finish. And if he can do that, yeah, you could see at the very least with a second unit this year or a team that just is like, we're committed to rebuilding and, you know, whoever, t- you know, if he goes number one, clearly he's going to be given the reins, and, but you have to let him fail. You have to exactly. teach him, but you have exactly. to let him fail. Which is why I'm like kind of like a little worried about him at the top because like the Wolves and like the Warriors especially aren't really in a position where they can like give a bunch of offense to a rookie and let him fail. Right. Um, which is which is why like if he went to like even like Charlotte at three or like the Knicks or the Pistons, like I'd be a lot more confident because like you said, like he has to fail and like he's going to fail. But, but like that's the way to like get him to develop is like give him those reps. And, you know, like he gets back cut four times in like the first half and the Warriors sit him on the bench like because they're trying to win. Like, right. You have to be able to absorb the losses and just say – because point guards take a t- some time to develop. And I just think that with that, if you pull him, you can lose him. You've got, to, you've got to be confident in telling that's your guy. And I think if you take him number one, you take him number two, you're telling him that. And, and that doesn't, like you said, it doesn't, yeah. he doesn't do that in the hierarchy of the Warriors or the Timberwolves. Yeah. But then again, like, I think it's a tough, it's a really tough spot for both those teams. Um, tougher, tougher for Minnesota. But, yeah, yeah, it's tougher I mean, for I Minnesota. Would, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, assuming LaMelo gets in the right spot, like I have like some, a good, good amount of confidence, at least being like solid. I mean, I think like if he doesn't, what's kind of underrated about him is like, even if he doesn't hit like a star level outcome, which is, you know, what you want as a top pick, I think he still like can be a valuable player. Like, like he's like always going to be an elite passer with that, with the height and like the ball handling skill. So, so like, if he can just like be like a linking player, I don't know, like kind of akin to like a Lonzo role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could be like, that's a valuable player. Like, like Lonzo's not probably never going to be like a star. Or like, or like someone who can carry your offense, but certainly someone who like has a role on a good team, like despite their flaws. Absolutely. Um, Anthony Edwards, um, shooting guard out of Georgia, a little bit undersized, a little bit of a volume scorer, um, good reach. I'm not as enamored with him as other people are. What are your thoughts? Uh, Ant is frustrating and confusing and tantalizing all at the same time. Um, I don't think I'm as big on him either. I mean, I, I still have him in like my top four, top five, but not in the same tier as like Lamelo or Killian Hayes to me. Um, just because like he, he's so frustrating. Because um, you see a guy who like has all of the tools and all of the skill to be like that 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 scoring engine. I mean, ridiculous first step, powerful. Um, slashing and, and finishing and exploding high when he wants to. And then some of the ridiculous shot space creation for jumpers and difficult shot making all at the same time that you see um, pretty much gamely, you know, flash that. And then like some legitimate like playmaking vision, some just, like stifling point of attack defense. Like if you just like, like the highs of Anthony Edwards, like if you just took those, like that's like a, that's like a good number one pick to me. Like, like that's like a good number one pick. Um, but obviously you can't just take the highs of a prospect, especially not one with as many lows and questions as Anthony Edwards. Just like the main thing to, that you have to figure out is, is his wiring um, on both ends of the, of, of the floor where that manifests offensively and just like his decision-making, like some of like the totally dumb, dumbfounded boneheaded shots, like not going to the rim 
like near, like he should be going to the rim every single play. And like he could score every single play, but like he does not go to the rim. And then just like some of the passes he misses and then defensively manifesting itself and just like horrific gambles and and like weird bad effort plays like when he could be so good if he locks in um i don't think he's ever gonna be like a really plus team defender just because i don't think he has the real instincts but like on the ball he could be really good because he's like crazy strong and moves well laterally and it's like six and it's like big enough to guard twos really i think even some threes with his strength um yeah it's like can i mean can a team get ant first of all willing to buy into a smaller role early in his career because i think he's gonna have to do that and i think he can be effective in a smaller role um and then can you like improve that mental side of the wirings with with, with some prospects it just never happens um but with some you know if, if it does i think the reward is really high um th- there's some like smaller like hard skills like his ball handling control is pretty weak but i don't think it has to be crazy for him to like be really successful because he's so powerful of an athlete just getting to the point where he's not like losing the ball for no reason under no pressure um just getting to that point you know he has to clean some stuff up with his off ball offense and obviously just like learning like the more technical side of defensive defense just like footwork on closeouts and like how to navigate screens like that can like that, that can come but like the macro level issues are like, can you get him to try or like, can you get him to max? Can you get him to maximize his abilities? And like, I hope. And like, I think like the just like the the, the chance that the answer is yes makes him worth the top five pick in this draft. Um, but I think it's also wise to understand that the chance of that is almost is almost is, is like pretty high no as well just given the information we have i mean he seems like from interviews and stuff like a pretty self-aware and like good 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 young guy um who seems to like understand what he does what he does poorly but like uh, until we actually see it improve i think that's kind of the key like yeah it's i was you know i cover the sec and i watch lsu basketball and so seeing him last season when he's electric offensively, he impacts winning. When he is not, he doesn't. And that is always a bother for me, on, especially on the collegiate level, because the disparity from talent from the great collegiate players right now to the average collegiate player is pretty wide. And on a night-to-night basis, I just was – I did not like his overall impact when he wasn't going – with his shooting yeah. or his scoring. That's totally fair. I mean, he, like he, he, he ran very hot and cold. Like, like there are stretches where he'll like dominate a basketball game and like genuinely be one of the most impressive college players that you've ever seen. Um, and then there are also stretches where he will just like float or like be like genuinely harmful to his team um, or he just like doesn't do anything. Um, I mean, like, I think, like, I, it, I believe, like, the, like, like the, the at LSU game was, like, one of his worst decision-making games of, of, of the year that mm-hmm. I saw, at least. Like, it was just, like, uh, atrocious where he just, like, w- refused to, like, go to the rim or, like, make smart passes. Um, and, like, he had, I'm pretty sure, like, he had, like, a couple, like, good passes in that game where you're, like, this guy, this guy can see the floor a little bit. But then he just refuses to do it on a consistent basis. So, yeah, I mean, just, like, the consistency of impact, like, Again, like he's very young and toolsy and talented, so I'm like far from out on him. But like, I certainly have my concerns, and um, I definitely wouldn't begrudge someone for having Anthony Edwards like very, very high and being very in. At the same time, I wouldn't really begrudge someone from being pretty out on him because like there's certainly reasons. I I land like more in the middle, but like I get pretty much all of the cases for Ant given just like what he is and what he does and what he could be like. Yeah, it's again it's with so many of these players, it's situational. Uh, their success is going to be very uh, tied to where they start their careers and and what role they are yeah. asked to play at this point in their careers. Because this is not someone you want to turn your offense over to no. as a rookie. No. Yeah, I think you have to play him in like a smaller role, which is why I actually like 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 I like Golden State as a fit a lot for Anthony Edwards. Like I've talked about this a lot. Like I think they're like 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 
if you if there's any team to like teach someone to like be be successful off the ball on offense, it's like Golden State with all their motion. Anthony Edwards is already like a really good cutter with his, his explosion um, and, and powerful athleticism. So I think there's like an, I think the Warriors can teach him how to play off ball, and then like again like teach him how to just like play NBA defense. Like that's a front, like that's a development staff I trust to. To, to kind of unlock the most out of Edwards and place him in like a small role early because like obviously the Warriors who are contending and are healthy are not going to be able or willing to play in, in like a big offensive role. So that's like a fit I'd like a lot. Um, I have worries about like Charlotte or even like Minnesota just because like that defense would be the worst. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I just and, – and I think in Charlotte, the, they don't need a, another volume shooter. That's not going to make Charlotte better. Like if to me, it just to have because you have guys who are gunners around that. There's a lot of those guys on that offense. Yeah, I think if Ant like hit his ceiling um, as like I think like a really like genuinely kind of like French almost franchise changing score. I think he would definitely help Charlotte because I mean I don't think they have any of like like Devonte Graham is like pretty good. I think he's good, but like I think he's kind of at his, uh, like, like his ceiling is certainly yes. far lower than Ant's. Um, same with, like, Malik Monk. I love P.J. Washington, but he's, like, not that kind of guy. Um, but I, I definitely would prefer someone like Lamelo in Charlotte. Um, but, like, I, I mean, if Ant was there, I mean, I don't – I'm not even sure he's going to fall to three, like, in real life. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of would expect him to go one or two. But, I mean, again, like, this draft is weird. Who knows? Like, he, he could fall. <laughs> Yeah, and there could be we, – we still don't know what trades there are going to be at where teams move up because Golden State very well could be shopping that too. Um, oh, I'm sure they have been like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to get somebody who can come in right now and help them make a one, you know, two, three-year run with this group because Draymond's not getting any younger at 30. Um, so if you're going to maximize his value, you better do it right now. Yeah, I mean, Steph and Clay aren't getting younger either. Like no. They, no, yeah. but at least you know. But yeah, Draymond's game ages the quickest. Yeah, you can I think already their see priority. Their priority needs to be like getting NBA players that can yeah. contribute, which is why I think like trade down is what they have to do. Yeah. But again, if everybody wants to trade down, then it's kind of hard to trade down. Yes. <laughs> um, then of course you go James Wiseman. Nobody got to see a lot of him because of just four games at Memphis, um, but considered the best big man prospect by many. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I'm not like a huge fan of Wiseman relative to consensus. Um, I don't like hate him as a prospect. I think like a lot of people who like listen to my work and like, you know, Eric will be like, you hate James Wiseman. Like, no, I, I don't hate him. I still think he's like a good prospect. I just don't think he's like top three or even like top 10 level um, for a couple reasons. Um, I just like don't think there's really – uh, I think people like often like think about Wiseman as like a huge upside big man. What I kind of see him as like kind of like a floor raiser, someone who has like a pretty solid floor as like an NBA starter, but not much else. Mm-hmm. Um, like you hear about like the the size and the athleticism, obviously like seven one with a, like seven six wingspan and runs crazy well in transition. Like he's gonna do like little things that like. Like I said, Razor for like offensively, I think he's going to be a great role man just because he's like massive. He has to like improve his hands and his like technique and screens, but he's young and that'll happen. Um, like he he's going to be an awesome role man. I think he'll be like a good offensive rebounder once you teach him like how to box out. Um, he's going to be a guy who you can just like have him sprint to the front of the rim, catch the ball, and it's a dunk like on on duckets mm-hmm. or seals. Like just because he's massive. Then defensively, like I think he has a lot of issues, but like at the bare minimum, like stick him in drop coverage and keep him. Close to the rim, but he should be a pretty solid rim protector because he's just massive. Like he will deter shots because of his size. Those are like skills that are very valuable. I look for a team that lacks them and very and like I said, like can raise a team's floor. Like having a like having someone who's gonna like shoot like sixty to sixty five seventy percent around the rim as a big man, or have someone who's gonna really protect your paint, like protect the paint. Um, like that's that's really valuable. But I think he. Oh, go ahead. Oh no no, go ahead go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think he lacks a lot of the real like skill and intelligence um, that makes up like a top, like a real top big man. Like offensively, like it's really hard to add like tons of value as like an offensive big. There's really only a handful of like really like transformative offensive big men, like your Giannis, Jokic, um, Towns, Davis, um, those, those guys who like aren't gonna. There's like Wiseman's obviously not one of those. Just like 
lacked the ball handling or the passing or the shooting um just like routinely struggled uh, obviously like memphis was a small sample but like back going back to eibl like routinely struggled when he played against other like top big men prospects um on both on both ends of the floor really and then, then defensively like uh, like the, the, sh- the sheer size is going to like be be a huge benefit but like his short area quickness um to me means he's going to struggle um, defending in more complex pick and roll coverages, which is kind of what you need in the playoffs nowadays. Mm-hmm. Switching, I think he can't do that. Um, I'm just not sure. Like he's instinctually at the level that you have to be at to be like a top rim protecting big man. Like all of those guys are like geniuses. Like Traymond, Bam, even like Brook Lopez. They're all they're all like incredibly smart defenders. Yes. I'm just not sure Wiseman is is that or is going to be that. But again, like I don't like think he's a terrible prospect. Like I think if a team took him like. In, like if a team has a plan and takes him in like the top and takes him pretty high, like uh, I understand it. Um, I I wouldn't personally like I think like Onyeka Kongwu is a better big man. Um, I'd prefer him pretty much universally. Um, so yeah, I mean I just think Wiseman like has a lot of traits that will make him like a good NBA like a solid to good NBA player for a long time, but just don't see the ceiling that some seem to see. Let's go ahead and hit on Okongwu, uh, and then um, also the the other big man in that group, um, Obi Toppin. Yeah, um, Okongwu, I think is the best big in this class, pretty pretty comfortably. Um, I think like po- um, Alexei Pokusevsky is in there, but he's also not really a big like. Right. Um, like he's like more of like a big wing type, like not really like a big man. But that's, I think when Yeka is that's true, the best true five, like true five type. Um, we'll say true five. Yeah, I, I think I think Onyeka is the best there. Um, he's a true coverage versatile pick and roll big, where um, he can drop, hedge, switch, like late switch, which is what you need. Like, you, uh, like he can't like guard out on an island against guards on a play to play basis. But like no big men, not named Bam, can and like you can't shoot for that because you're not going to find it. Yeah, that's like incredibly rare and like incredibly mm-hmm. valuable. Then I think like as a weak side rim protector, he's super like he gets off the ground really quickly. He's not the not the tallest, of course, but he's, but he's pretty long. He's got good timing and instincts. Certainly better, like better than someone like Wiseman on like the the, the, in- the intellects part of defense. So, I think his his ceiling's limited because of just like the, the sheer size. But I really like him as a, as a defensive prospect. Don't think he has like all NBA potential, but like probably some somewhere close to below that. Like because, um, and then offensively, like again, going to be a really great role man because a high level finisher with both hands, very bouncy and explosive. The touch is is, is impeccable. Um, has improved as like a short roll passer as, as this this season went on. Um, I think he'd be a pretty good face up scorer too, with like some handling coordination and the great footwork and the touch. Um, again, like don't think he's ever going to be like a real shooter, but I mean he's like he's shown some comfortability on like the, on the long mid ranges, and I think he could with the right you know development staff extend it out to spot up threes from just like a on low volume or something. But yeah, I mean on Yaku just like as. I see Onyeka as more of a ceiling raiser because of those, like, because of, like, the pick-and-roll defense, um, really mostly, um, you know, the, the versatile pick-and-roll coverage. And even, like, if the passing can develop, like, those are, like, skills that you, you, you need your big men to do in the playoffs, especially now with, like, you know, pull-up, sh- like, pull-up shooting being ever more common and you know, players being able to shoot from longer and teams shooting more and just throwing more more and more complex offense at you. You need coverage versatile big men. And I think Onyeka, that's like the main reason that I think he's like default so valuable um, and like worth the top. I don't, I have him in like like the five to seven range. I, some people have him like three, two to three to four. And I understand that. I just like think it's really hard to add like special value as a big man, but he's really, really good. Um, like he's very good. Um, yeah, I like him. Um, the one thing he has is that he just he doesn't have height. He's got length. Yeah, I mean that's the, like the like the ultimate limiting factor on his ceiling. Like yeah, yeah. I mean like he's a six foot nine through five. <laughs> and you have that so that again, like for the Pelicans, it's tough to put him next to Zion Williamson. You know what I mean at six nine? Because I, mean, I have, think yeah, I mean it would. I don't think it's ideal. I think it would work. And I, I, I mean, if he somehow fell to 13, I would like 
definitely be all oh, over that. Yeah, 13? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be spectacular. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd have, a, I'd have some concerns, mostly with, like, the offensive fit, because I, I think you want, like, a stretchier five next to Zion, ideally. <laughs> Obviously, like, th- those, those are hard to find, and, like, like you can't really like uh, I, I wouldn't complain about Onyeka because I think like especially if Onyeka improves as a passer and like a little bit as a spacer I think he could work just fine with Zion I, I think Zion's so unique that you can kind of make it work and then I think defensively he's like pretty good covering for Zion outside of like like the the huge banging centers which there aren't very many there aren't any very many of in the league anyway mm-hmm. um yeah I mean like again like, like I don't think it, like I think there's definitely like because of the height it's not perfect but in terms of like realistic compliments oh, to I mean, Zion defensively like it's look, pretty good I think he would be an upgrade over Jackson Hayes defensively oh yeah I mean I I like Jackson Hayes a good bit but like he's got a, quite a, a ways, ways to go I to think go still yeah just yeah, his instincts yeah, I, are not yeah. good I mean he improved I think a good bit from like seasons beginning to season's end but still i think behind where onyeka would start like yes because i mean it's just that he retreats he doesn't have a natural instinct for for blocking shots he tries to block everything it's more of just like he's still and and that part of that's experience because he's played so little basketball but onyeka won't do that like onyeka um i mean it's more like Compared to like Jackson Hayes, like like Onyeka's been playing high level basketball since yeah. he was like thirteen years old. Right. Like he played on it's like the Lonzo Ball Chino Hills team. Exactly. Like just because they're similar in age, they're starting from different points. Um. So let's let's hit on top and quickly because then I also want to get in on Killian Hayes and then um um uh Patrick Williams as well. Got it. Um, Obi Toppin, uh, another guy who I'm not huge on. I like him better, like less than Onyeka, more than Wiseman. Um, just like, oh, I, I mean, I guess you start with the good. Like, I think he has the chance to be like a legitimately special complimentary big offensively. Um, with you know, he's an elite big man passer. The big man finishing with his contortion and touch and vertical explosion, all of that's high, really high level. And I think the shooting is going to be good i think he's going to be a fine spot up shooter for a big man um uh, you know like enough to where teams have to respect that and can't just ignore him do you feel like he's a trainer um defensively certainly um offensive we'll get to that the defensively i think um you know offensively like i think you probably want him at the five to maximize his skill set but i think he can play the four if you need him to i mean that's that's not ideal because like i said i think the the issue with him is he's fundamentally complementary um and if you're drafting a big man really high, I think you want like an, an offensive big high. I think they have to be more than complimentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just like, aren't a lot of those guys in the league. Like I said earlier, like if you look at like, even like, like impact metrics with obviously have like a lot to be desired in terms of like context, but they, they, they mean something like there aren't a lot of really impactful offensive big men at league. Like, like, like I said, the Jokic talents, Giannis, like those guys, um, like they're just like aren't big men who carry offenses. Like, and again, like not a slight to Obi at all because he's like a very talented offense big man, but just below that level because I don't really think he's like an off dribble shooter or like a ball handler per se. Um, like you need other players to unlock his skills, mm-hmm. um, which is not something you can you, you have to say about Jokic or, right. or Towns or Giannis really. Obviously, like having players next to those guys who add to the skills helps. Like you don't need other players like to to get the most to like. For Giannis and Jokic and Towns to impact the game, yeah, yes, but but I think Obi can be a really really darn good offensive big. Just the issue is like the defense to me is so bad. Like I've got so like I I I I I try to be optimistic, but like I really just don't see any way in which Obi's not like a total negative, like like a massive liability defensively. Um, First of all, I mean, if you want to play him to the five. um, I don't think he can guard any coverage in the pick and roll, really, because you know he's the lateral mobility and, and the hip flexibility and the high center of gravity. All of it is really troubling. Yes. Um, to where like he, he struggles to backpedal and drop to to switch, of course, change directions. I think his best bet is as a hedger, where you just send him in one direction and hope he can sprint back. But even then, like that's not a thing you can do every single play in the NBA. Like you can't no. hedge every, like te- like good teams, even bad teams will will roast that. Um, then I, I think you can't really play with the four because if if a team tries to have him guard the perimeter, he's gonna fail. Like that, that's just not what he's built to do. Um, I think his best shot is as is as, as as like a weak side rim protecting four, which is valuable because like you know he's very very bouncy. Um, 
can definitely get some block shots. But the issue with that is like he like takes time to load. He's not like a quick leaper like Onyeka. Like Onyeka like starts his jump and he's straight off the ground. Right. Obi has to like bend his knees and wind up to to, to get really high. And he can get really really high when he gets up. But like, um, I think. As a rim protector, I think the load time is more important than the max vertical because it doesn't matter how high you can get if, like, the ball's already through the rim. Like, right. It's that oh, time. The timing yeah. is, t- you know, it's typically exactly. – It's really below the rim that you're blocking most shots. It's it, The timing co- is coming yeah, exactly. before like, it gets there. Those like, those, like, massive, like, highlight spikes, like, are not that common. Like, it's mostly, like, like the more below-the-rim blocks, like you said, and Obi's going to struggle there because he can't get up quickly. It's like, who do you pair – Obi with on defense like I think the only real like 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 the only real like guys you can pair with him like Bam, go bear Draymond like yeah those 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 big men like there's they're few and far between and um the Pelicans like he and Zion Williamson would be a total disaster oh like, no no yeah yeah that would like teams would score like 150 points a night like like um like yeah i mean i think with obi like i think it's a shame because like he's gonna go in the top five and i think unless he lands in like minnesota or not not minnesota in in, like golden state like those teams just can't handle his weaknesses i think like if he were i think like i mean i I think it's like a lottery talent just because of how gifted offensively he is um i think if you were like to fall more in that range you see more like more good teams that can actually handle his skill handle his weaknesses i think and kind of maximize him uh, like i think if he went to like portland like like he'd be like unbelievable offensively like obviously like the defensive struggles would be there but like I, I think he'd be unbelievable offensively with like dame and cj um just just, just to give an example but like if, if you're sending him to like chicago like like zach levine isn't gonna pass in the ball like, no so no i mean yeah i, I just like He's and he like doesn't really fit talented. with Markinen or Carter. His game doesn't no, work exactly. Or like Cleveland, like like you're not expecting Darius Garland or Sexton to really make plays for him. He's kind of like. Would you, would you compare him a little bit to a Carlos Boozer? Um, I honestly like don't know enough about Boozer to say. Okay, I mean, yeah. from I, I mean from like what I've heard about, like from, from what I know, I think it's. Might be spy. I, honestly, like I, I'm, I'm too young and uninformed. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go to I mean, Killian Hayes, who yeah. a lot of people, um, he's been uh, like more heat yeah. for. He's one of those people that's rising. Yeah. Uh, well, just like one last quick mention on Obi. Like he yeah, is sure. twenty. He, he is twenty two years old. Like that's you have to consider that age. Like like I know he was a sophomore, but he's twenty two. Like that is problematic um and like he was expected to be dominant and he was because he's 22 and older than everybody else but that's his last note on obi that you've got to that you like you have to consider yeah his ceiling is is near um so killian hayes i I love killian hayes he's like the second guy in my top tier with Lamelo ball i think he's like a very very good prospect um again like doesn't have that like like offensive centerpiece like franchise changing upside i don't think anyone really thinks he has that um He's not like the driver of a of a high level offense, but I think he can be a really important contributor to one. Um, uh, everyone knows about the elite passing; he's had that forever. You know, besides besides his inability to like not really pass with his right hand, he's pretty spectacular and this complete um, as as nineteen year old playmakers come. Um, and then like all of the other stuff has like improved so much over the last year. Like his athletic improvements have been kind of ridiculous to where he's like gone <laughs> to someone who's like legitimately able to win with like his change of direction moves. Um, he, he's always been strong. I mean, he's legitimately like kind of huge, like six foot five and strong and long. Like he can overwhelm smaller guards with just strength and touch and his footwork and his ability to you know use his body to carve out space around the rim. He's great at that already. Um, and then like, like he's continued to extend the jumper. Like he's become a legitimate off dribble threat, like step backs and sidesteps. Like he, he's doing this um, in like pretty high level European competition. Like, and he's like having success um, to where like, you know, he was like a pretty accomplished mid range pull-up shooter throughout his youth career for the past, like three or four years. And then this year, like just out of nowhere, expanded his range, which you absolutely love to see. Cause like, like the, that mid range jumper, which has been so successful. Plus like the elite free throw shooter, he's an elite free throw shooter. Um, ha- always has been elite touch. Like you'd project that in the future, but the fact that he's doing it still as a prospect is like wildly impressive. Um, you know, like, like, like he's not uh, the best ball handler in the world. He's not like the most explosive 
So like I like he's limited. I think the, the ceiling for him is limited as you know a primary scorer. But like mm-hmm. he's really really good, especially for his age. Gets underrated, I think, as a scorer. Um, and then defensively, like I think he has like all defense potential as a guard. Again, talk about his, his improvement has gone from like a legitimately atrocious um, on-ball defender to one that I think is pretty good. Like, um, th- like his technique has improved so much. Um, you know, moves he, he's always like moved pretty well laterally, but now he's like consistently moving well and and not like jumping, jumbling his feet. And he's strong and he's long. So I think he'd be a really good guard defender as he continues to improve and maybe even like guard up a little bit because he's just massive. Like I think you can guard smaller wings um especially ones that like aren't like super imposing like like, like he's never going to guard like Kawhi or like someone like that but or, or, but like smaller ones and like less less offensively threatening ones yeah um and then off the ball is where he really shines uh it's working at the nail you know with his length or making backside rotations or just all of that is so advanced for someone his age like he doesn't make the like like the same volume and type of mistakes that like most like 19 year olds make like you watch Killian Hayes play defense and then you go watch LaMelo Ball or RJ Hampton play defense like Mm -hmm. it is night like it's night and day like Killian looks like a veteran in a European league and uh LaMelo and RJ look like kids like it's it's really spectacular um yeah, I, mean, I love Killing Hayes. Like, I think he's as good as any prospect in this class. Um, um, again, like, you have to understand what he is. Like, he's not, like, your primary scorer. And right now, like, he, he – I think another issue with him for the short term is he's, like, not a good off-ball player. Like, playing mm-hmm. off, off of the ball is, is, is a skill. It's more yes. just like being able to shoot. Um, and Killian Hayes is not a skilled off-ball player just because he's never had to do it. Like, that's never been his role. Um, and you see when he does, like, he defaults, like, going and getting the ball. He doesn't have a good feel for, like, spacing or cutting or relocating the spot up. Like, like the results, like, he's not a good spot-up shooter by the numbers. And the footwork is, is, is wonky. But, again, I think all of that is, like, I think those are some of the more, like, coachable and teachable skills. Um, like, like I think I like given how smart, like how young and just how like how how smart Killian Hayes is, you can teach him how to play off the ball in time, um, but like you cannot teach some of the playmaking or the athletic improvement or the defense. Like that that stuff is all really high level. Um, so I think like Killian Hayes seems like he's gonna like fall, like he could fall to like the back end of the top ten, which is kind of an, kind of insane. Um, so I think he's going to end up being like a really strong value if we're being honest. Like mm-hmm. he, he, I mean, I could realistically see him going as like as, as low as 10 to Phoenix or like even lower, like even a little lower, but like that, that would, he's, that'd be a fantastic get for Phoenix. Oh, that, that, that would be unbelievable. Like they'd be like the best team, the most fun team ever. Um, talk about like a perfect compliment to Devin Booker, like in the long term. Like, Oh, and, and to, I mean, to, to be a, a great help for eight and two. Oh, absolutely. Just like another elite passer for him. Like, um, yeah, absolutely. And like another high level defender, like he'd, he'd be spectacular there. Um, it would also be like a dream for the Pelicans, but unless they trade up, I don't think he's going to get to 13. Um, but would, would be a dream just like, um, the value is unbelievable. And I think he helps with a lot of what they need. Like, that that would be spectacular, but wouldn't really hold my breath for that one. The guy that that a lot of people have tied to the Pelicans if they do not move up is Aaron Nesmith out of Vanderbilt, six six. He's got wingspan. You know he has to be tough and coachable, having played under Jerry Stackhouse, um, and he made a huge jump from year one to year two. Um, what are your thoughts on him? I, I'm not a fan of Aaron Neesmith, um, personally. I would very much be disappointed with that pick. I think there's lots of better options at 13. Um, I will say, like, obviously, the, the shooting is, is high level. Like, that is um, undisputed. He's not a 52% three-point shooter. No. Uh, I, th- I think that's pretty clear. Um, but I think he's a very good one. Like, he, and he's, I think, at six foot six, a, a very high-level movement shooter which is like supremely valuable. Like that's something like, spe- like very valuable in the modern NBA. It's guys who can shoot off movement at that height. Just, just a spectacular. Like I, I have worries about basically every other part of his game. <laughs> um, offensively, like the, this to me, like um, if he's not shooting off movement, like I don't think he has really any on ball capability. Cause I, I don't think he's a good decision maker or a good handler. Um, maybe if he gets to the rim, he can kind of finish, but I don't think he's like explosive enough to like get there. Um, and then defensively, like 
I think he's could be fine because he's like six foot six and tries and you know is fairly long and isn't totally frail. But I think the the general awareness off the ball is really problematic. Um, along with I think on the ball, like I don't think he moves particularly well. I don't think he's like I don't think he's gonna. I, I think I've seen him kind of like propped up as like a big wing defender, um, but I'm just not sure that's really who he is. Um, just because I don't think his footwork is good enough. I don't think he's well toolsy. I don't think he's toolsy enough to be really solid. Um, again, like I think he could be like, like a solid defender. Like I, I think he certainly could be solid because he's like like I said six foot six and tries and has okay tools. But like I just have a lot of worries about the ceiling. So I think for a Pelicans team that like desperately needs wing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's better options. Like I'd much prefer someone like Josh Green to Neesmith. Cause I think, well, I, well, I think if you want wing defense, you're, you're going to want Devin Vassell or Isaac Okoro, but I don't think either of those are going to be options for new Orleans. Um, just based on where they pick. I, if either of those fall, I think you take them and run like, but I don't think that's going to be an option. I, I would probably, I think Josh Green though, it's like a bit of a reach by my board. I think it would make a lot of sense just cause he's like a very high level wing defender. Um, Obviously, like the issues with him and why he falls is because the offense is problematic. Um, the jumper is a question. But if anyone is going to – yeah, I mean, if I trust any um, development staff in the league to make Josh Green a pretty good shooter, I think the Pelicans are up there. So, yeah, I mean, that was off topic. but um, No, no, because I did want to yeah. know, you know, like – because that the three areas of need for this team are rim protection, wing defense, and backcourt ball handling. So, yeah. you know, we've that was an important part of it. Um, lastly, I, I, you know, we've talked about the the top front court players. I just want to get your opinion on a couple of guys because if you there aren't a ton, there's not a lot of length in this draft, not a lot of height, um, and the height that is there tends to be more of the um, spread uh, stretch four type. Reggie Perry or Daniel Aturo. At 13, are they value picks, or would you, if you were taking either one of them, would you want to move back? Yeah, I personally steer clear from both of those guys, um, just in general. Um, I think at 13, you mentioned like Patrick Williams, like I'd like him a lot more than those prospects. Mm -hmm. Um, Perry, I definitely think has some interesting stuff with like his, you know, ball handling and some of the offensive skill he's shown. Um, but I, I just have worries about like his overall athletic tools and his mm-hmm. consistency of his decision making, uh, which make him more of like a second round type to me um, than a first round type uh, for Reggie Perry. Like I get why people like Reggie Perry though. Like I, I, like he's definitely interesting. Oturu, I like I I don't know. Like I just like I'm not a really big fan of. Like he's not someone I really have any interest in drafting just because I think. Um, like he's yes he's like I just really have issues with like his defensive awareness and his you know ability to like just kind of exist on a defensive floor at the highest level with you know um, I think he misses too many rotations I don't think I think he's like he's fairly toolsy but I don't think he's toolsy enough to make up for it and then offensively like I just I'm not really sure what he does um, besides like maybe he shoots spot ups which would be valuable but I don't really think he's going to be a good like role man because of the decision making and the lack of um, lack of you know really high level finishing. He could be like a pretty solid like post score, but like what team is gonna like make a good percentage of their offense like uh, post ups by some rookie? Like uh, I don't think that's happening in the modern NBA. So like yeah, I mean I'm, I I would have worries about both those guys, but would be more sympathetic to Reggie Perry. Um, I'm not big on Vernon Carey. I just don't see him as no, NBA athletic, I. you yeah. know, just, I don't see him doing anything great. And, and I look for out of a big, I'm like, you, I, I, you have to be able to have one elite NBA skill at the very least. And I don't see anything elite about Vernon Carey. Yeah. I, I have my issues. I mean, I prefer him to like Oturu and Perry. Um, but I do think there's a lot of issue with Vernon Carey. Like you said, I mean, he, I mean, like what I will say about him is like, like, I mean like the production and like the offensive stuff he showed as like a freshman at Duke was pretty impressive. Like, I, I think it's something that like you have to account for a little bit, even if with his translation, I think there's a lot of issues. Like, like don't think he's going to be a jump shooter. I, I think he actually has like a little bit of ball handling skill, even if it's like entirely left-handed, but I don't think he's going to like be functional enough to do it in the NBA. Um, again, like a, a good post score, but like 
super left-hand dominant and like I don't think any team is going to like He's not Al Jefferson. Give, yeah. You like, know what I mean? Like if you're left-hand no dominant, you better gonna, be Al Jefferson. Yeah. No team is going to give Vernon Carey post-up volume. Like maybe as like a bench scorer, but like I doubt that. Like no, like no team is going to draft Vernon Carey and be like, we're going to base our offense around Vernon Carey. No. Like and defensively, just like has size and like, but like just the mobility is like Doesn't turn. Okay, okay, but like not that great. Like his hips aren't that great. Um, like you said, like like he can hedge a little bit, I think. But like no when you ask him to like when you ask him to like like turn his hips and drop or like switch, he don't I don't think he can do that. The effort is super questionable. Um, and then like as a rim protector, he's just not that explosive. So yeah, I mean I agree with you. I I'm not a huge running carry fan. I would like like him as like a second round project type because I think he does have like some skills that make him worth like worth gambling on like if he if you can get him to shoot then I think he has 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 some of a chance but like I certainly not in the first round for me um I think I mean I I, mean, I agree with you that you want bigs with like with like with like genuine skill um there just aren't a lot of those um in this in this draft after like no. the the top guys it's bad um I think there are a few of them but like I mean, there's sec- there may be value in the second round, like you said, but there's I don't yeah. think that there's. I think like if you if main, you had to yeah. walk away with a big in the first round, I you better have hoped one of those t- guys at yeah. the top dropped. I think the main bigs, um, like the main other like value bigs, I, I like a lot are Xavier Tillman, Killian Tilly, and a l- little bit of Zeke Naji. Um, but like I- I- even those guys, like like Tillman and Tilly, I-, I like a lot. I think they're like first round talents, but even they have problems. You know, like Tillman. The shooting Tilly just can never stay healthy. Like and Tillman again is a guy undersized. Yeah, I mean undersized um, the shooting, but like I think also he's like incredibly good at so many things. Like I have a lot of confidence in him finding a role. Just because I think he's like an elite passer and ball handler for a big, and the finishing is high level. Though I think it's gonna like the ceiling on the finishing is lower because of the size, and then he's like a genius defensively. But again, like the ceiling, I think because of the size is limited. But again, like you're drafting Tillman to be like a complimentary big man. Like he's not like, uh, I don't think he's like a star at all, like, mm-hmm. um, which you're just like not really going to find in this draft. I think even if you're drafting at the top, you're probably not going to find that. Um, I think it just shows like one, like not only like the weakness of this draft in terms of like big men and star big men, but just like how hard it is to find star bigs in the league that are like genuinely impactful. Like they just like, like they're pretty rare. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're just – they're not being t- – it's hard to teach it now. And the college yeah. coaches I talked to just said, by the time you see these guys that get that, they don't have that in their game. They just don't. They don't have the footwork. They don't – they haven't worked on it. They haven't defended in the post because they don't see other bigs. And it's just – it's 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 very strange now. Um, it's, it, it's going to be hard for – somebody's going to have to – and I think that there are guys who can bring some of that back. I think if Joel Embiid ever committed himself – to doing that and got it, you know, he could be a person that show that you could yeah, be and dominant. And if he can stay healthy post. too. Yeah. <laughs> and Zion Williamson could be a guy who's dominant in the post, you know, uh, with as, as his footwork gets better, as he learns how to yeah. manipulate the post. He could I mean, he's be, already like a dominant interior player, despite being like as flawed as he is. <laughs> yes. And so that, that potential is there. It's just, are people going to teach it and are players willing to learn it? Um, Let's uh, let's hit on Williams real quick because I did forget to do him. Let's hit him before um, I ask you just – well, and then finally um, give your thoughts on the Pelicans clearly want to move up. If they do want to move up, who's the most likely target that they're trying to reach? Yeah, Patrick Williams. Um, I'm a huge Patrick Williams fan um, I, who I think actually makes a good bit of sense for this Pelicans team as long as they understand who he is. Um I'll start with who he's not. Um, he's not like a switchable wing defender, which I think he gets a rep as by more like mainstream people. He's he's not that. And he is actually like very bad defending the perimeter because I mean, there's like, th- there's like more in-depth reasons for it, but like he, he just struggles to flip his hips and defend quicker guards and even like, slower wings like he it's just bad but where Patrick Williams does excel is as a rim protector as an interior defender like he as like an, he's like a six foot eight toolsy he just turned 19 year old who's like incredibly skilled as a rim protector like he besides being explosive and long and strong 
like, like an NBA level athlete. He is so smart with his, he covers ground so smart with his rotations and his timing and his ability to get vertical without fouling. Like it's really rare for his age, I think. Um, that's like where I think, especially for the, for the Pelicans, like the main appeal with, with Patrick Williams would come. Like you need someone to like protect the rim. Like he, yes. he, he immediately is like their best rim protector. Like he, he's, I, I think has really high rim protecting ceiling. Um, and I think offensively, like he, Probably like not star upside, but I think he's like kind of like a, a prime complementary four. Um, I think he's going to shoot like the he, he didn't shoot a lot of threes with Florida State just because of his role and because of his minute share. But like I think the shot is going to be good because I mean he's a good pull up mid range shooter. Um, even going back to to high school, he was like more he was more of an on ball creator and showed that pull up mid range and off screen and even from from more range shooting. Um, I think there's like le- there's legitimate flashes of like pick and roll passing where he like hits skips to the corner and lay downs and wrap arounds. Like again, don't think that's like a bankable NBA skill, but something he can certainly do like attacking a closeout or like running a secondary pick and roll like um, on like a backup action. Like I think mm-hmm. there's there's some potential there. And then like like on the interior, like like he's I think he's a good finisher, a good enough finisher to be like a a part time role man. Like working from the dunker spot, he's adept at carving out space and and with his touch and, and explosive and size finishing um yeah i mean, I'd, like i would love that I, I mean i think he's an awesome player um again like doesn't really have this the, the the star ceiling but again at that point in the draft like there aren't too many guys with it and like as like a complimentary foreman like i think he's kind of exactly what you want i'm not exactly sure how you play him with the pelicans specifically just because like um i i don't want him guarding the perimeter um at well, least if you not keep into, ingram out on the yeah. wing and you let yeah. instead of having um because then you can you know in those smaller lineups you can have zion guard the five and have him guard the four with yeah Ingram i think the three pat will's kind of an interesting like potentially long-term small ball five i mean i i wouldn't really trust any rookie to play small ball five no. just because it's a very difficult thing to execute but i think like he he has the tools and intelligence to pull it off as he ages and he has improves um so yeah i, mean, I like him a lot um i think he'd be a really good fit and i think it's like plausible that he falls that far um, I, I like like he might not actually because like you see like 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 I know like he's he was linked to, like the Pistons at seven and like I've heard things that like he might be going like fairly high actually. But yes, I think, I've like, heard like on, seven through eleven. Yeah, his range is um yeah that seems like kind of his range but you know like again that's just a range and he could always go above or below like if right. some, some it just takes happen. one team. Like, yep, it takes one team absolutely. So if the Pelicans are moving up, who do you think that, that, that their most likely target would be? Um, I mean, most likely I'm not – I'm just going to go with – I'll go with the prospects that I would, like, target. I mean, already talks about Killian Hayes. Mm-hmm. Would absolutely target Killian Hayes on a trade-up. Um, would, would be a sensational get for the Pelicans. The big two are, like, the wing defenders. Um, mm-hmm. So Isaac Okoro and Devin Vassell. I think I'd go with Okoro first because I think he's like more on ball focused and I think the Pelicans need more like on ball wing stopping than they need like a really generational defensive playmaker. Obviously mm-hmm. like th- they can certainly use that, use the elite off ball defense and like a good wing defender in Vassell. Like, but I think Okoro is kind of more of a need just because of that that um just he's got like best in the league wing stopper potential with his like strength and size and uh, and ability to just vaporize screens while being like a very good off ball defender himself like he was a little underwhelming at auburn compared to his like elite high school tape just because auburn kind of like used him as like a shutdown corner where they would just like stick him on stick him on a on a offensive player and say you're not letting this guy catch the ball and Isaac Coro pretty much did that um which doesn't leave a lot of room to like make big rotations and make defensive plays but I, I think he certainly can do that even if he's not like not nearly as good as someone like Vassell at that but and then like so defensively he like absolutely is huge for like plugging their wing defense problem and then offensively you know, despite the lack of a shot, which again, I think New Orleans is as, as good of a spot as any to develop that jumper. Um, I, I love his offense. Otherwise, like the slashing potential to me is really high because um, he's burst. He's first step quick, strong, explosive. Um, an ambidextrous That's certainly part of, of what Stan Van Gundy likes to do as well. Yeah, an, an ambidextrous finisher um, has improved his handle a ton from, you know, high school to where it's like legitimately solid now. 
And then I think he's going to draw a ton of fouls. I think he's a really high level wing passer. Um, and I think with like, I think he like works with, with like he works with Lonzo, I think definitely in Zion getting, you know, carving space and, and getting him in space. So like, I mean, I would love Isaiah Cora for them. I think that would be a dream. I think they probably have to trade up fairly high to get him. But I think he honestly, like depending on what they give up, might be worth it. Like he, I think it's going to be really good. Um and then I'll say like Vassell would be spectacular too, less of a wing stopper, because like he has questions with the on ball because of his lack of real strength and and on ball tools. But like as a team defender, he's like all time good. Like the, the ground coverage and like the instincts and the rotations are special. And then offensively, kind of like the exact opposite skill set as Okoro, where like he's not overwhelming athletically as a slasher or a passer, but he's like a good shooter, I think is going to be a good spot-up shooter, and I think has some real potential as a difficult shot maker, which is why I like his upside more than some, because just given the pull-up shooting he's shown, I think he could be like a pretty good difficult shot-making wing as he ages. Um, so yeah, I mean, either of those two, I think would be like who you're trading up for. Um, those, those two would just be a dream, I think, but and you I think Vassell, Vassell, you have to give up less to get because I think he's going to go lower. But either either of those two would be my, my ideal targets in a trade down – in a trade up, excuse me. Ben, man, thank you so much. There's a ton of information. I think really helpful stuff, especially for folks who didn't get to follow a lot of these players. Please tell people how they can uh, find you, follow your work, because you are in a number of places. Yeah, um, most of my draft uh, stuff is is consumed by my podcast, Prep to Pro. Um, so you can, you know, we post weekly draft content, you know, at the moment, like three or four episodes a week just because we're ramping up to the draft. And it's a two, um, not a T.O. Yes, Prep number two pro. Correct. Um, yeah, so that's, that, that's where you can find most of my stuff. Um, also, I will plug we are doing a live show on draft night. So if, if for you, you would like to, we're going to be live streaming on Twitch, me and my co-host Max Carlin, um, just kind of like doing our version of like the ESPN cast where we give our analysis and reaction and opinions and answer listener questions and have fun guests. It'll be a good time. So if you have any interest in listening to a different broadcast than you only do, um, and you, if you enjoyed what I have to say on this podcast, then be sure to be sure to stop in and say hi and get your questions in about the Pelicans because I will have lots of thoughts on the Pelicans and their draft picks. And then um, probably going to have a, a final board out in some capacity. Um, not totally sure what that's going to look like. Um, uh, and like um, obviously, you know, with college basketball starting like a week <laughs> after the draft, I'm going to have 2021 draft content out. Probably a 2021 board as well. Um, again, like depends on what time, what time is looking like, but definitely the main thing, follow the pod. Uh, we're on Apple, Google, Google, uh, Spotify, all the places you get your podcasts. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the main thing that I would, I would direct listeners to. All right, uh, man. It was, it was great having you for your first visit and, and I hope we get to do this again. Yeah. 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 It was fun. I appreciate it. I, uh, I thank you for your time. So for Ben Pfeiffer, I am David Grubb. Y'all know how to follow me at DM Grubb on Twitter and Instagram and check out the website, HITP with DG.com. Please rate us, please leave comments. Let me know how I'm doing. And until the next time, this has been Pardon the Bank.